Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Personal storytelling has historically provided a new lens of experiences that challenge oppressive systems and introduce thousands of readers to the hardships of marginalized communities. Eternity Martis believes that these stories inspire future generations to create change. Welcome to the conversation piece. Hi, everyone. I'm Eternity Martis, and I am a journalist, editor, and soon-to-be memoirist. And I am talking today about the power of personal writing and memoir for marginalized groups and young people. So when I was 22 and in my Master's of Journalism program, I was still working on my memoir about what it's like to be a student of color here at Western University. And I had been writing for four years and I was now looking for a publisher. And in J school, I was one of the only people of color there, which sometimes felt like the stories and genres I was interested in, which was race, gender, social issues, essay writing, weren't journalistic enough. Some of my professors questioned my interests or didn't really understand the stories that I wanted to cover. A white woman in one of my classes wrote a reported personal essay on a friend of sorts who had passed away as a result of a drug overdose. Our professor, also white, was so touched that he pulled strings to get her piece published in a popular media outlet within days. He put her in touch with a major publisher as well. She had a book deal for a memoir in a week. Meanwhile, he had little feedback on my essay about the urgent need to preserve slave history in Ontario after descendants of slaves die, a history most people in Ontario don't actually know about. He did have one piece of advice for me, which was that I had ruined my story by putting myself in it. One day after class, I mustered up the courage to ask him if he could also put me in touch with that publisher. I had a solid book proposal, an almost finished manuscript, and my selling point, which was that every student that I knew, current or former, had harrowing stories of experiencing racism at a university or college, yet no one was really talking about it openly. So I told my professor all of this as I chased him down the hall. And when he finally stopped, he turned around and said to me, I have contacts, but I don't think they'd be interested in the things that you write about. Not interested in institutional racism in Canada? The prevalence of sexual assault on campuses? The struggles of student life for non, the struggles of student life for non-white students? Were those things, and my voice and authority on them, were they not as important as what my peer had written? I quickly realized that it actually wasn't about me. It was about who got to tell stories. Who were the keepers of those stories? and what stories they believed mattered to our society. And I was being told that my stories did not matter to society. But that didn't stop me, though. 
While I believe in luck and hard work, I also believed in what I had to say. Two years later, my essay was published by a renowned media outlet and nominated for an award. And a year after that, I had an agent, a major publisher, and a two-book deal. Great. I believed in my story and its potential to help bring an important conversation out of hiding, to help bring change to our campuses, to help current and former students make sense of their own experiences. Most of all, I believed that in our cultural and political climate, personal storytelling has tremendous power. Just a few years ago, personal writing was still called lazy and self-indulgent. It was considered an illegitimate form of writing. However, that criticism has hardly ever extended to white memorists, namely white male memorists. When I first started writing my book a decade ago, I could hardly think of young LGBTQ2 people or young people of color who had the opportunity to have their memoirs published. And even now, when they are published, their reviews are driven down by racists and homophobes who don't feel they deserve to have the same space to tell those stories. And they aren't held to a higher standard because the quality of their writing is poor. It isn't. They're held to a higher standard because it's assumed that people like us can't ever produce quality writing. Memoir has been regarded as something that is only unlocked after a certain kind of experience and privilege has been attained. It disregards young and marginalized people by saying, you're too young, what do you know? You haven't achieved enough yet. You haven't been through enough yet. You haven't lived long enough yet to know pain. You're ungrateful, be happy for what you have. If you don't like your life here, go back to where you came from. Your experiences don't matter. They call us what they call our personal writing, lazy, self-indulgent, and whiny. Yet this generation of young people, millennials as we call them, has faced more obstacles and hardships, arguably, than the last generation. We're told to spend thousands of dollars to get a degree in a shaky economy that guarantees no job and makes it impossible to be a homeowner, let alone find affordable housing. Our world, and along with it, our future, is rapidly burning right before our eyes. We're the era that grew up with school shootings and lockdowns. Women in their early 20s are the most at risk of interpartner violence and sexual assault in Canada, and young black, brown, and indigenous men are most at risk of police brutality and carding. Our generation is more likely to be gender fluid even as LGBTQ2 rights are being taken away, seemingly by the day. Young people of all ages and genders are most at risk of cyberbullying and cyberstalking and mental health issues. And hate crimes have doubled in Canada over the last year and have gone up half here in London. And for students, they are facing a slew of far-right extremism on campuses. So if I might indulge myself, I'm inclined to say our experiences matter. Personal storytelling has been crucial to the evolution of society since ancient times and its legacy has ha helped pass on culture, tradition, and history. It's been a means of sharing truth for the most marginalized and oppressed, from slave accounts to memoirs by residential school survivors. Today's personal writing echoes centuries of others who have written their experiences into existence, from what it means to be black today in 2019, drawing parallels to the 60s civil rights movement, to Me Too stories drawing from previous waves of feminism and womanism. Personal writing braids together centuries of individual stories of hardship and triumph, exposing the, the collective injustices that we all face. It shows us that as much as history has changed for the better, 
Much of it has stayed the same. Personal writing binds our realities, offering possibilities for belonging, for healing, and for a better future. Writing your story in this climate is critical. And at a time when so many of us are dehumanized by those with power, putting our story into the public record is an act of resistance. Disadvantaged groups, whether it be people of color, immigrants, queer, trans, and two-spirit folks, young people, we're being pushed into silence through harassment, violence, and a loss of power. Also that oppressors can maintain control of the narrative and stereotypes that we are less deserving, less important, and less powerful than we actually are. But they cannot take our words from us. By simply sharing our experiences with the rest of the world, we have the innate power to make the oppressive systems around us start to crumble. Our words put cracks in the structures that keep us locked out and unable to form our own narratives. Time and again, history has shown that our words, whether carved into stone or inked into paper or typed up for a blog, can spark change in our society and inspire future generations to act, think, and make sense of their own experiences. A week ago, I told a cousin that my memoir was coming out this March, and he said, you haven't even been on this earth long enough to write a memoir. What could you possibly be writing about? And I told him, I'm writing about a life worth writing about. Thank you. Eternity Martis is an author and journalist, and she spoke at Western University Presents The Walrus Talks Storytelling. And she's just one of the over 800 fantastic Canadians who have wheeled, webcammed, and walked onto a stage at The Walrus Talks. Care to join us? Coming up next is the Walrus Leadership Forum on Strengthening Canadian Journalism on May 11th. Register at thewalrus.ca slash events for a front row seat from the comfort of your own home. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 